and welcome to Steamboat Huddle, the podcast. My name is Erin Miller. I am your host of Erin Joyce Co. And today we have an episode that is super special. It's an interview with Tina, who uh, I have known through the photography world for, um, gosh, many years at this point, and uh, originally found her because she is an old high school friend of my my husband. <laughs> and um, I admire her tremendously in her in the industry of photography and through the years and following her and knowing her through social media, um, she also shared her journey um, in infertility, IVF, loss, uh, and eventually surrogacy. And it's what I find amazing is that, um, and in, in my processing after our interview, is that people can can truly be very open on social media. I'm someone who is, um, she, she was and continues to be, however, you never, it's just like a, a snippet of a, a part of someone's life. And I think sometimes we not necessarily forget that, but aren't, we don't realize how much we don't realize, if that makes sense, that um, we're not fully attached to the emotions attached to a situation or even stop to consider other hardships or things that might be happening in relation to something that we've shared on social media or whatever it is. And Tina really went through um, a lot over several years of struggling to have a family with her husband. And this episode is emotional. No matter who you are, um, whether you're a mother, a father, a woman, a man, um, married, not married, um, especially if you're someone who's going through this, you're going to feel emotions. Uh, there was quite a bit of emotions coming from both of us because it's an emotional conversation. So I just want you to be um, warned of that. And what I find so amazing is how Tina has um, taken what has happened in her life. And we discuss that we don't know why things happen. Is there a reason for everything? Maybe, but it feels kind of yucky to even talk about that because it doesn't make things better. But what you can do is heal in the hardships that you go through in life and use that healing to support others experiencing the same hardships. And that is what Tina is doing. She has created and is the founder of Around the Beanstalk. Uh, It is a business that um, there are planners and journals for women who are going through infertility and IVF. It sounds amazing. So anyone who is um, experiencing this in their, their life, I definitely recommend that you check it out. All details are in the show notes. We'll talk about it more in the episode. Uh, so Tina, she is a business owner, wife, and mama of three. Tina has owned a photography business for more than a decade and has recently transitioned into creating Around the Beanstalk, a business that provides tools to help women navigate the world of infertility and IVF. Tina and her husband have struggled with infertility, IVF, and loss since 2013. Tina successfully got pregnant with their first son through IVF, but the pregnancy unfortunately ended and loss of her son, Jack, when she was 23 weeks into the pregnancy. After being told Tina should not carry another pregnancy, they went on to have two healthy kids via surrogacy. Tina knows firsthand how heartbreaking and isolating the infertility and IVF world can be. It's now her mission to bring hope, comfort, and support to thousands upon thousands of women struggling with infertility and IVF. So without any more explaining, I'm going to send you right into this powerful and incredible episode. Here's Tina. Hey, Tina. Hey, Erin. I'm so excited to have you here. I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Oh. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I know we've, so we've kind of gone back and forth for a while, I feel like for a yeah, few months. It's been a while. This. Yeah, because you've been in the process of creating this amazing business around the beanstalk. And um, I, we knew that you wanted to come on so we could really talk about your journey that led you to wanting to create this business for women who are going through infertility and IVF and um, to really talk about it. And like we had discussed, I think it's um, so amazing to be able to use a platform like this to really share what you've been through and what brought you to the point of creating this business. Because I know through my journey and anxiety, what I found was how lonely I felt. And I think that 
you know, it's kind of a sad thing, but I really think it's a human thing that everybody at some point goes through something that makes you feel isolated, whether it's like your parents are divorced or you go through a divorce as an adult, or there's some type of loss in your life, whether, um, you know, it's a person or you know, going through inf infertility and IVF or a child with special needs or financial issues, whatever it is. Like when we go through those different difficulties in our life, it creates this feeling of, isolation and really you don't understand what it's like to go through it until you've been through it. So I think it's so powerful that you are, um, going like using your trials in life and this experience that you went through to turn it into something beautiful to help support women who are going through it and who may be, end up going through it, you know? Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> so, um, I would love to start from the beginning. So we, we know that around the beanstalk is, why don't you quickly share what it is and then we'll talk about it more. Um, yeah. After some conversation. Sounds great. Yeah. So I created around the beanstalk. It, it was basically born out of my own infertility and IVF journey. Um, there's just not much out there in ways of supporting women who are dealing with infertility and going through IVF, um, whether it's physical products or community or anything like that. So, you know, I, I basically wanted to create an IVF journal. That's where it all started, mm -hmm. just because there isn't anything out there. You know, you see pregnancy journey, journals and things like that, but there, you go to the store, you're dealing with IVF, and there's nothing there for you. So you already feel not normal because your body's not working and you're in this crazy world that you don't want to be in. And then, you know, I personally wanted to document my own journey and there was nothing out there to do it. I didn't even have a way to do that. So I just, I wanted to, I basically, my whole goal is to make sure women can feel like they're not alone and to normalize this infertility IVF mm -hmm. world as much as possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't talk about it. It's very mm -hmm. hidden. When I was going through it myself, I felt incredibly isolated and alone because I didn't know anybody going through it, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of women mm -hmm. dealing with this. Um, so it, it evolved. I really want to create a community of women, um, basically just a place to support and help lift each other up in their journey. Like I said, so many people are so private about it. So I did create like a private Facebook group that people can come in and just, and get support and love and ask questions. If they need to vent, they can mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, did you find that while you, cause I I'm, so I shared with you before we hopped on that, you know, you're a woman who's been through it. I'm a woman who hasn't. And from my perspective, I'm excited to talk with you to understand more because I, I know people who've been through it, but I'm at a loss of like, what do you say? What don't you say? Do you bring it up? Do you not bring it up? Do you, you know what I mean? It becomes this elephant in the room because there's this unnecessary like shame attached to it, I feel like. Right. And right. so I'm curious to know from you, like, did you feel, um, and I, I'm speaking from my own experience with different contexts, but that like we have, um, a lot of us have husbands who are very supportive. Of course, there are situations where maybe we don't feel as supported, but even in the context of having a supportive significant other, I find that there is a support in other women that men simply can't offer no matter how amazing they are. Right. Absolutely. Did you yeah. find that, that like you, you, regardless of your support that you received from your husband, that you needed women? I wish I had that and I didn't. Yeah. And my husband yeah. is incredibly supportive. He's wonderful. Yeah. He was there with me every step of the way. Um, I, I, so when I went through IVF myself to get pregnant on my own, it was in 2016 and I just wasn't aware that there was Facebook communities and things like that out there. Mm -hmm. So I really spoke with no one and that was very difficult also. You know, my friends would ask me how it was going, but it's just, you know, I also struggled with some days I would get so annoyed when people would ask me about it. Like I'm thinking about it in my head 24 seven. The last thing I want to do is talk about it. Yeah. And then the next day I would get offended that somebody didn't ask me about it. Right. So it was just, right. I think, dealing with infertility, it's such a roller coaster of emotions constantly. And then yeah. when you move into IVF and you're so hopeful and then you have a transfer and it doesn't work and you come crashing back down and then it's like up, it's just up and down a lot. So I personally didn't have that support and that's why I'm really trying to create that create for that, other yeah. women. I think that's yeah. amazing. So can you tell us more about your story? You said that, so, and I don't know a lot about it. So I'm actually asking mm -hmm. 
blindly. And I told you that I was like, I'm excited <laughs> to actually like learn about yeah. more about your story. So you guys, did you know that you had infertility issues before you decided you wanted to start having children? No, we had no idea. So we started trying to get pregnant in March of 2013. Um, that's when we moved from Philadelphia out to Harrisburg. Mm -hmm. uh, we bought our forever house. It has lots of bedrooms. We're like, all right, time to start filling up these bedrooms. I was 29. You know, my cycle was all, always super regular. I had mm -hmm. no issues. Um, so we, we just thought, okay, now it's time to get pregnant. And that's what we're going to do. Right. So we struggled for a year you know, nothing happened for a year. Tried, I tried acupuncture. I tried all of these different things. Nothing worked. So how, that at that can point, I, we, can I ask you, sorry to cut you off there. No, how was that process for you? Because I, I'm writing my book and I shared the process of becoming pregnant, becoming, becoming a mother. We had no issue getting pregnant and the John Paul took four months, Hannah, three months the worst three and four months of my life, not the worst, but that's the, not the right word, but like the, the, it's all you think about when you're trying to have all a baby. Time. And when you're not pregnant that month, it's devastating when you want mm -hmm. to have a baby. So like, where was a pivotal point for you when you realized like something's not working here? And like, how did you handle those emotions before you even realized something's wrong? Because I feel like it's mm -hmm. hard to handle when there's nothing wrong and you just decide you want a baby and it's not happening right, right away. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it was, I mean, heartbreak every month when you take a test and it's negative time after time after right. time. And I, I still truly believed there was nothing wrong, but either like I wasn't sure when I was ovulating or I was missing it completely. I mean, I took ovulation tests. I thought I was doing it right. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go to the doctor. I might have to get Clomid and then, right, right. then it'll happen. You know, yeah, it'll just be a yeah. really easy fix. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, getting to that year point, because most doctors say you have to try for a year yeah. before you even go. It, it, it's horrible. It's horrible, especially being on Facebook and having pregnancy mm -hmm. announcements in your face every day. And my baby was born and, you know, it, if I'm being honest, it made me angry. And then you yeah. feel like a horrible human being because yeah. somebody's joy and happiness is making you angry. And it's yeah. not that I wasn't happy for the people that I was seeing. It was just a constant reminder in my face of what I didn't have. Yeah. And yeah, that was just really difficult. That's so, so hard. Yeah. So we went to the doctor, tried Clomid. I was like, okay, that's our solution. Here mm -hmm. we go. More just negatives, 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 time after time. So then we moved on to IUIs. Um, I believe my insurance company allowed three of those. And what uh, are IUIs? Up. Yeah, in intrauterine insemination. Okay. So basically, okay. they, they, once you're ovulating, they will just take yes. you know, your, your husband's part and put it up there. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. But apparently that is still only a 20% chance success rate. Wow. It's not much higher than getting pregnant naturally. So yeah. a lot of uh, insurance companies require that though, before moving on to anything else. Okay. So yeah. we did that. It didn't work. We were coming up on our five year anniversary. So we decided to take an epic trip to Europe across all kinds of countries. And I was like, maybe it'll happen there. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to be relaxed mm -hmm. and on this amazing adventure. And it didn't. And we both agreed after that vacation, if it didn't work, we needed to move on to other things. So that was in October of 2015. And that's when we knew we needed to move forward with IVF. Um, so we met with a great, great fertility company, started moving forward. And the hard thing was throughout this whole thing is that, you know, I had all kinds of testing done. My husband had all kinds of testing done. They always said, not only are you like everything looks great, but you're both extremely fertile. So I'm like, well, what is the Man, problem? Yeah. yeah. So there was <laughs> no frustrating explanation. Nothing. Absolutely. Wow. Nothing. Um, so when we moved on to the fertility clinic, they said the same thing. So we mm. were basically diagnosed with what's called unexplained infertility. Great. Which <laughs> feels is an wonderful. extremely frustrating diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the doctors just throwing their hands up in the air saying, we don't know why yeah. this is happening for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and I was young, you know, at, I was, I guess at the time of doing IVF, I was 30, 
yeah, 30, about to be 31. So that's young for the infertility world. Right. Um, you know, you still have pretty good egg quality and all that kind of stuff. So we got all kinds of testing done. We had an egg retrieval. We, we got five embryos, which was great. Um, we did genetic testing on those embryos. One was abnormal. So we were left with four. So we were Mm -hmm. feeling super positive about that because we only wanted two kids. Yeah. And we moved forward to have our very first transfer, um, on January 27th, 2016. So it was just about four years ago and I got pregnant first try and I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah. Boom. Solution. It's, it's going to work and everything's going to be great. How was that Um, moment for you? Extremely surreal, just because it had been so long that I was like, oh, oh my gosh, okay, this is happening. But I also just genuinely felt in my soul that that was the solution and and this is going to be great and there's going to be no problems and we're just going to move forward from there. You know, like very matter of fact almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And before even getting to that part, it's, it's hard. It's just a hard pill to swallow moving to IVF because our insurance covered nothing. It was all out of pocket. Yeah. So on top of being frustrated that you're not pregnant, you know, you're blowing so much of your money, you know, draining your savings account, doing, spending so much money when you're like, man, so many people can do this for free and it shouldn't have to be this hard. But once I got pregnant, I felt like, okay, it's worth it. It doesn't matter. It's worth it. And this is just how our family is going to come. So I had a very normal pregnancy. I didn't feel like I didn't feel great. I, I was nauseous. I was tired, sure. but that's all normal. Yeah. And we just started, you know, planning for a nursery, moving along. I had my 20 week ultrasound. Everything looked great. No issues whatsoever. And uh, then I started at about 21 to 22 weeks, I started getting really swollen and swollen to the point where it wouldn't go down at night when I was sleeping. It was just all the time my ankles, my feet were extremely swollen. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the doctor just to make sure everything's fine. And I went to the doctor and I had gained 16 pounds in a week and a half. Oh my gosh. Um, my, that's how swollen I was. Yeah. (laughs) My blood pressure was through the roof. Um, Mm. you know, they checked for protein in your urine. Mine was super high. Mm -hmm. So they basically were like, you need to drive to the hospital right now. And they admitted me right away. And they just didn't know what was wrong. They didn't know um, what was happening, what was causing all of this. So it was more just unknown answers. They don't know what, they didn't know what to do. Was it diagnosed as preeclampsia? After about a day it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But my, my labs were just all over the place. So many doctors were just confused. So, but eventually, especially with my blood pressure, they said it's preeclampsia we're just going to keep you here and get you as far along in your pregnancy as possible because it was very early to develop preeclampsia in a pregnancy. And mine was very severe. You know, my blood pressure was so high. They couldn't even just give me medication. They had to give me medication through an IV because it wasn't getting under control and all that stuff. So that was our plan. We're like, okay, I'm only not even 23 weeks in, but I'm just going to be here to stay for a couple of weeks, apparently. And that's just what's going to happen. Were but you scared at that point? I was, when you are dealing with preeclampsia, they put you on medication that make you feel so out of it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even process what was happening. I really mm-hmm. couldn't. It was the strangest thing. You know, I was in the same hospital room for six days straight. And it was just, I can't even explain it. I felt like I was in a different room every day. You know, doctors would talk to me. I, w- I couldn't process mm. what they were saying. Yeah. So my husband was there all day, every day. And thankfully my sister was there as well. She would spend a lot of time in the hospital room with us. Um, and she, she worked, um, has worked in the PICU as a nurse. She's now worse in a NICU as a nurse. So she, you know, has a medical background and can understand what's normal and what the doctors are saying. And she would take notes for us and stuff like that. So I was just out of it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here. Hopefully we can at least get to 24 weeks when he hits viability and then they can save him. And then that's just going to be that. But my, my physical health just rapidly started declining. Um, And it was after about four days in the hospital that the doctors, sorry, I'm already going to get emotional. Um, they just sat with me and said, you need to make a decision. Your, your body's not handling this. 
And, you know, again, I had so many specialists come in to my hospital room, you know, once I never heard of, I had a nephrologist come in. Who knew what that was? The kidney what? doctor. What did you say? A what? <laughs> a, a nephrologist. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I mean, he was looking at my labs and he just looked me in the eye and said, I'm surprised you can even communicate with me right now that you're conscious. Oh, wow. Wow. And I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But yeah, the... I just, I was declining and we had to make the decision to induce labor. And, um, sorry. Don't be sorry. That was just one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because it was too early. It was about two days before I hit 23 weeks. And then he was born. Um, I delivered him right on the 23 week mark. And we had, we also made the extremely difficult decision to not intervene with him. Um, we met with a neonatologist several times and he said, he's so small. There's nothing we're going to be able to do. If you want me to try, I will try. But he's like, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. So we decided to not intervene and just spend time with him. So he was born right at his 23-week mark on June 17th in 2016. His name's Jack. And um, he was alive with us for about two hours. And I thought it was going to be like the saddest time in my life. But it was actually quite the opposite. I, it was a very beautiful time because he was alive. And, um, you know, he... He couldn't open his eyes, obviously, at that point, but we did see his little tongue, and we held his hands, and we sang happy birthday, and, you know, my husband wrote him a letter that he was able to read to him. And... Yeah, so it was, it was beautiful and extremely heartbreaking at the same time. I'm glad we had the time with him. I like, I like to feel that he never felt any pain on earth that he just felt nothing but pure love from us so that that is how he came to be unfortunately um and I ended up needed needing to be in the hospital for eight days total because my body still after I, after I delivered wouldn't regulate itself and you know, I needed to go into surgery after that for, because they couldn't get my placenta out. So it was just extremely difficult, very traumatic. I never felt anxiety ever in my life until then. Like I had so much extreme anxiety around my physical state because nobody knew what was wrong with me. Yeah. And I just, I never knew what true anxiety felt like. And I yeah. just remember one night talking thank goodness I had a really lovely nurse where I said I was like no there's something wrong I feel like I'm having a heart attack something's wrong and she sat with me and she's like listen I've struggled with anxiety my whole life and I really think that's what's going on here because they were doing all these tests and she's like there's nothing wrong so yeah um I struggled with that pretty pretty hard afterwards as well but and it started like as you were in the hospital as I was in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't feel good having all of your doctors coming in saying, I we don't, don't know. know why this, yeah. you know, first of all, why this happened. And now afterwards, when my body's not going back to normal, like it should after delivery, when something like this is happening, they don't know why it's just frustrating and traumatizing. Yeah. And I think that's definitely why anxiety came up, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that I can't even respond. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I was I just, sitting, I, I was so quiet. Without getting emotional. I know because I was um, actually like ugly crying. So I like, couldn't even <laughs> respond. It's, um, you know, you don't know why things happen in life. Um, and sometimes I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, but whatever you're choosing, how you're doing something with this that's so powerful. And I think that's what's so amazing with it, you know, that you're moving Thank forward you. and doing Thank something you. with it. So, um, right. <laughs> so you're in the hospital. You know, what I'm curious about for you um, is it sounds like you had a very supportive nurse that was there to help support you to, to 
you know, just move through and navigate, like, what is this feeling that I'm feeling? Did you feel, cause I, going through all the, it's, you're in a hospital with so many people and so many professionals and all of them saying, I don't know, I don't know. But in it, did you, did you continue to feel isolated and alone? Or did you feel like you had outside of your husband and your sister being there, like emotional support moving through all of that? I did. I, I did not feel like I had that simply not because my family and friends were not there for me, but I did not know anybody who had gone through what I went through. And I also believe something needs to change in hospitals. If you lose a child, I was moved to the mother baby floor and I'm hearing babies crying all night on either side of me. And, you know, my husband is walking to the car and he's like, you know, this guy was just complaining about how his baby was up all night. He's like, I wanted to punch him in the face, but he has no idea what I just went through. And right. um, I'll never forget leaving the hospital. Like a nurse walked us out to the elevator. God, sorry. <laughs> and there was a mom in a wheelchair nursing her baby. And it just broke me. <laughs> and again, thank goodness for caring nurses. She just, <laughs> there's certain elevators that are only for doctors and medical staff and she just opened that right away and shoved me in there and she's like no we're going this way so it's just uh difficult the staff was wonderful but I did not know anybody uh who went through it and um I was searching for that when I left the hospital anybody who because I did you know then you have to make the post on social media that now you're no longer pregnant and retract everything and a bunch of a couple of women, a handful of women reached out to me saying they've gone through something similar. So I was just like grasping for like someone to talk to, to be like, am I going to be okay? Cause I feel like I'm never going to be okay again. Um, and actually it was so nice that one of my, one of my close friends from high school who I'd lost touch with over the years messaged me and she lost a daughter. Her, her daughter was still born at 41 weeks oh. and she reached out to me and I was so glad I didn't want to reach out to her first, but I, like, we then met up in person right away, and she was like, I can help you through this, and she was actually then pregnant again at the time, so it was just seeing people who struggled, who then moved forward to still have a family and and be happy eventually is what I clung to during that time. Yeah, I think that's what is so powerful in sharing our stories and connecting as humans, you know, to be able, um, I think I even shared that with you that like, it's a, we want to share what's happened after and to show women, like there is hope beyond the space that you're in now, but how even more powerful it is to connect on that very thing that you've gone through together, you know, to see that, Right. The pain is still there. It still hurts, but that there is hope on the other side of it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So after Jack, you were told to no longer attempt to get pregnant. Is that right? Correct. So for about a year after I delivered him, it was continual doctor's appointments trying to figure out what happened. And we did end up figuring out that I have a blood clotting disorder that was just undetected. Oh, and uh, women that have this blood clotting order, it's disorder, sorry. Um, there's only a 15% chance that you will have a healthy full-term pregnancy without any wow. complications. It's extremely low. And um, it's one of those things where this, this blood clotting disorder is easily regulated for me. It's just more dangerous if you don't know you have it. But now that I know I have it, it can be controlled. Mm-hmm. So I always like to say that was... Jack's purpose. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that you don't know why things happen, but maybe he was like that angel for you and your kids. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it wouldn't have to be at the expense of his life, but I do think that was his purpose. So, um, yeah, once I found out I had that on top of the preeclampsia so early in pregnancy, I mean, every single doctor said, we would never tell you, no, it's your choice. It's your body. But, you know, I could see in their faces, like, it's not a good idea. It's, they're like, if you could find another way. So we then 
I, I still had three healthy embryos left. And I was like, okay, well, we still have these biological kids. I'll just move on to surrogacy. It'll be no problem. Like, we'll figure something out. So I went and met with my uh, RE, my reproductive endocrinologist. That's the doctor at the clinic. Literally a week after I got out of the hospital, because I said to my husband, I need hope. I need to have a plan. I need to know what's happening. He thought it was a terrible idea that we went that soon. It turned out to be a terrible idea to go that <sighs> soon, but <laughs> we went there and I, that's what I said. I'm like, well, we have these embryos. I'll just go move on to surrogacy. And she was like, you can absolutely do that. Uh, and she, she was just very hesitant and I wasn't sure why. She's like, well, I'm not sure if you're aware of the financial aspect of surrogacy. And I was like, no, but we paid for IVF. That was expensive. <laughs> yeah. And she, she said, if you want to move forward with surrogacy, you should expect to have about 120 grand in cash on hand, ready to go. And oh I was just God. like, oh my gosh. Um, I don't have $120,000 in <laughs> cash. <laughs> so, That's crazy. Yeah. So then my, my hope was like crushed even further. I'm like, how are we ever, ever going to do this? I just, you know, basically it would, it would be about that expense if you use an agency or, and you're matched with a surrogate that you don't know who might live in a right. different state. Right. So she was like, well, don't you have a sister? Isn't she healthy and had, has three girls? And I was like, yes, but I'm never going to ask someone to be my surrogate. Like I don't, I, I never wanted to ask, put somebody in the position of having to say no for an mm -hmm. ask like that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to make someone feel bad about it. But um, about two weeks later, three weeks later, she ended up offering to be our oh, surrogate. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, which is the best gift, you know, you could ever give somebody. And I was just so thrilled and so happy. So oh, I'm so grateful that she was able to do that for us. Because um, I just felt hopeless. I felt isolated, alone, hopeless. You know, you struggle with, maybe I'm not meant to be a mom. My yeah. body is completely broken. You know, it, it, it won't do what it's supposed to do as a woman. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So from there, we started the whole process. And even, you know, she's my sister. It, it's a long process with surrogacy to go through counseling, you know, her alone, me alone, me and my husband alone, her and her husband alone, the four of us together. It's She has to take personality assessments. There's all this medical testing. Then there's a legal phase. You know, we had to have a 60-page mm -hmm. contract between the two of us mm -hmm. um, before actually moving forward with the transfer. But um, it was almost exactly a year later after my transfer that we were able to um, have our next transfer with my sister, and she got pregnant on the first shot because her body rocks at being pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's and we now have our two-year-old daughter from, from that pregnancy, mm -hmm. which yeah, is so exciting. <laughs> so exciting! And then we so we actually had our interview scheduled in the fall. Um, and then we decided to push it out because first of all, we're photographers and that's just ridiculous to, <laughs> to right. think we could do that extra work in the fall. But also because your son was born in September, right? Wasn't he at the end of September? Yeah, September yeah. 2019. Their birthdays yeah. are three days apart. Oh, so. that's right. I forgot they were yeah. right near each other. That's right. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So our, our kids are exactly two years apart and, um, yeah, so we had Reagan in September of 2017, and it was always kind of nagging at me in the back of my head. I, I always wanted to have two kids, but I was like, I don't know how this is ever going to happen again. Nobody else is going to offer this that we know, right. um, and I'm not asking anybody. So I just started putting it out there to anybody who would listen, basically, like, hey, we would love to have another kid. Does anybody know of anybody yeah. who would like to be a surrogate? <laughs> and... Um, I actually spoke with a surrogate that lives in our town who was pretty active in the surrogacy community. Uh, she had, there's, there's basically a cap on the number of deliveries you can have as a surrogate. So she mm -hmm. was beyond her cap. She couldn't mm -hmm. do it anymore. Um, but I was just asking her for advice on how to find somebody. Uh, basically, if I could find what's called an indie journey, find, like um, finding somebody independently outside of an agency, mm -hmm. your costs can be, you know, less than $120,000. Right, right. Still, still insanely expensive, but it felt maybe feasible to us. So yeah. 
she just said she would keep her ears open for anybody. And then in, in February of 2018, so my daughter was only five months old. Mm-hmm. She was like, I found someone. She's great. You need to call her right away. Oh, like, wow. God, my daughter's only five months old. <laughs> <laughs> but I called her. Um, you know, we hit it off. We decided to meet in person. Um, so we met in, I want to say in March 2018. And then January of 2019 is when we were able to do our transfer with wow. her. There's kind of lots of bumps along the road. She had been a surrogate previously, and she wanted to make sure that family didn't want to do a sibling journey because she would have right. preferred to stay with that. Um, and they ended up not wanting to do one. And then our initial fertility clinic denied her as a surrogate. So we had to deal with that battle of, you know, advocating for ourselves, knowing that wasn't right, needing to find a new clinic um, that that did approve her. And then, you know, even just crazy things like I had to transport our embryos from one clinic to another in this cryogenic tank. Wow. And it's just a whole. I mean, there's process. just a whole side of like, I'm just so happy that you're sharing this because I, there's none of this. I don't, it's just, I don't have words <laughs> clearly. It's just an, it's a, a world and an experience that you, like you said, you just don't know unless you go through right. it, you know? So I'm just right. so grateful mm-hmm. that you're sharing this because while there's the one hand, there are so many women who will listen and say, I'm going through this too. Thank God I'm not alone. There's that other group of women who are like me, speechless, thinking mm-hmm. like, I had no idea. And now this person that I know who's going through infertility, I have a better idea of like truly what they're going through. So how, like what, how can someone support a person going through infertility loss, IVF? What can they say? What is not a great thing to say? Well, I would say, not a great thing to say surrounding loss is everything that happens for a reason. When people would say everything happens for a reason to me after losing my son, I would say, I don't see a reason in my child dying. I'm sorry. I don't yeah, really yeah. care what you say. Um, I and also Did it think, trigger you when I said that earlier of saying, I feel like there's a reason, but I don't know if we ever know what it is. Right. That didn't trigger me. I don't okay. know. It, it did not. You can be honest. Um, I actually really want to know because I, I, really I never want to say the wrong thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, because I think we were also talking about how I felt like he did have a purpose, you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have found out about this condition if sure. it weren't for him. Um, now I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Other things. Yeah, yeah. What people what people say. I, I, I think a lot of my opinions are centered around loss is say something. I yeah. think a lot of people don't want to upset you yeah. and don't want to, you know, trigger anything inside of you. So they just say nothing. I had a few close friends who never said a word to me when we lost Jack and that felt horrible. I would rather have someone say the wrong thing. Like everything happens for a reason than nothing. Right. Right. Um, Cause I still remember that. I still remember like you didn't even acknowledge that he existed basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of, well, I can only speak from my own experience, but I like when people use his name. I like when people yeah. talk about Jack and cause he was a person and he changed our lives and you feel like everybody's going to forget about him. And that's not a good feeling as a parent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that using, using his name, talking about him, it never upsets me when people talk about him. Um, I love it. You know, I remember my nieces were very little at the time that we lost him and they would ask me questions all the time. And my sister would be like, Shh, don't, you know, don't right, say that. And right. I'd be like, it's fine. I don't, I honestly don't mind. I really don't yeah. at all. So I would just say, and you know, one of my very, very closest friends just lost her son at 25 weeks right after Thanksgiving. So just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm so glad I could be there for her to truly understand what she's going through. And she's very fresh in it right now. But, you know, she's like, you know, people just come up to me and want to like talk about the weather or the show that's on Bravo. And she's like, I don't want to talk about that. She's like, my son just died. Like, I want to talk about him. And, you know, so I think, yeah, that could be my advice. Say something. Um, 
even just reaching out to people, you know, I think a lot of people end up going in to hiding and don't uh-huh. respond to you either. Uh-huh. But even just texting or calling and saying, listen, you don't have to say anything back. I just want you to know I'm here for you. Anytime mm-hmm. you want to talk, anything, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with the infertility side, I think just checking in with people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so isolating. There are so many doctor's appointments. It's hard. You know, I'm fortunate that I work for myself, that that was never an issue. But I know a lot of people struggle with even being able to get to their appointments. And it's just a financial strain and a stress on your marriage. And you're so full of hormones from all these injections you have to give yourself to be able to retrieve the eggs and then do the transfer. And, you know, you're just putting your body through the ringer. So I think just checking in with people. Don't try to pretend it's not there and it's not happening. Yeah. It almost sounds like even just the validation of, yeah. And like you said, yeah, yeah. And it's not fair. I love when people would just say this sucks and it's not fair that you're going through it. You know, you and your husband are great people and you would give a baby such a loving home. And yeah, that's, you know, then I, I sadly watch Teen Mom on, on, on MTV all the time. Still. Yes, <laughs> <me too. laughs> but you know, you watch shows like that and it's like, this 16 year old just like, yeah, oh yep. my gosh, it's so frustrating. So yeah. it's not fair, but like, no, isn't fair. no. So yeah. yeah, I think having those thoughts and feelings acknowledged is also nice. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I agree. For yeah. anybody, what anybody's going through, I think that's just that advice is so good for everything really right. that, that people are going through, just acknowledging it. And yeah. And I also think realizing if somebody is struggling with infertility, one of your friends, and they kind of step back from you, not to just shut them yes. out, yes, but to know it is very, it might just be hard for them. For instance, getting invited to baby showers. I don't yeah. want to go to a baby shower, but you feel awful saying no. But then you're yeah. putting yourself through this emotional like turmoil in going to things like yeah. that. And um, I think one of the kindest things someone did for me was um, one of my friends from high school had a, her daughter was due like three days after Jack was due. And I had to unfollow her on everything. I couldn't see it. You know, she didn't invite me to her baby shower. I'm so glad I didn't have to say no. And she just wrote me, sorry, I keep getting so emotional. But she wrote me a handwritten letter just saying, I understand that there's going to be distance between us. And I'm okay with that. Just know I'm always here whenever, you know, whenever you're ready. And that just really meant a lot to me that she acknowledged that it's not about her. Yeah. It was just very painful for me to see a child the exact same age that my child was supposed to be. So I had to unfollow her on everything, her family. I couldn't see it. And I felt awful because it's her child and she's one of my close friends. But she totally understood. And, you know, a couple months later, we were able to start talking again. And it ended up not being painful for me to see her daughter. And now we're still as close as ever and talk all the time. So it was just so nice that she extended me that grace that she didn't think I was a horrible friend for shutting her out for months, yeah, you know, yeah. and that, and she just could understand. It's very big of her. It really was. And for lack of better words. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just nice that she extended that and it didn't have to come from me saying, you know, I'm right. sorry, this is painful, but she just put it out there and I, I took it, you know? So, yeah. you know, if anybody declines going to your baby shower, it's not anything personal. Right. <laughs> the number of times I got shower invitations, I just sent, you know, a target gift card with the card and said, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And that's okay if you have to do that for a while and just not, not see it. But yeah. Man, that's, I love all of that advice. I really like that conversation. I hope people can hear that and truly apply it to so many different things in life to really think about like if a friend has distanced, maybe you don't even know why, but to, right. to know that it might not be about you, you know, right. and it's to likely just, not about you what's going on. Almost in never. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that advice. Right. Which I've, I've tried moving forward. You know, one of my other friends, uh, was, it, was just going through a lot in life lately and I hadn't heard from her and she usually responds to things and she just wasn't being responsive. And, you know, I think 10 years ago I would have been like, Oh, well, she's not even responding to me, but I just reached out to her and I'm like, I know you're going through a lot. You know, she's struggling with a lot of things, but is there anything else? Cause you're just not being yourself. 
And she just completely broke down to me. And I had no idea she was struggling with other things too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, realizing it's probably not you when people might yeah. distance themselves for sure. Do you, what would you like there, there have been times that I know people, um, are, are thinking of getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant and you realize there's time going by and you know, there must be problems getting pregnant. When you were at that point in your journey, like, can someone say something to you like, Hey, I know you've been trying to have a baby. How are things like, is there something people should say, should they not say anything at all? Like ask how you're doing. I've, I've always found it very hard. Like I, I right. think it's crying, tricky. you know, cause I don't mm -hmm. care. I'm, it's not me being nosy. It's just, I'm thinking of you and I can tell that there's trouble and I want you to know that. Right. Thinking of well, you. I think it's all in how you phrase it. You know, I think yeah. a lot of women dealing with infertility, our big thing is stop asking when we're going to have babies? a baby. Yep. But that's for extraneous people who are just like, Oh, you know, or maybe even some grandparents who are like, we're just <laughs> waiting on those grandkids. You know? Right. Yeah. I think if you know your friend is struggling, checking in, just asking, you yeah. know, sometimes even just having someone say, how are you, you know, can make you completely break down and yeah. yeah, be enough to feel a little bit of support in a world that can be extremely isolating. And yeah, for me, made me feel like less of a woman because right. I can't even do what my body's supposed to do. And my husband's like Mr. Fertile over here. Right. So I struggled with that too, being like, man, if you just would have married someone else, you yeah. wouldn't have all these issues. If you married someone else, we wouldn't have had to spend all of our savings to have kids, you know? Right. right. And he's very kind to be like, you're crazy. Don't say that. Yeah. I don't care about any of that. But you know, still so much I, I, I often felt, yeah, I felt like he drew the short end of the stick in the wife department. I'm like, oh, well, lucky you ending up with me with all these problems, you know? Yeah. That feels so, so bad. Yeah. And he never made me feel that oh, way. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. It's just inherently. It's self-inflicted. Yeah. As yeah, a woman, you, you do. Any of us. I feel like when our body's not working the way it's supposed to, right. it's so scary, you know? Mm -hmm. I... I struggle with that a lot because I, I've, I think all of us have gone through our different journeys with our bodies and it doing what it's supposed to and doing what it's not supposed to. And in like my body essentially shut down. And to me, I viewed it as you're attacking me. Like you're not doing mm. what you're supposed to be doing for me and you're shutting down. But essentially my body was saying, you're not giving me what I need <laughs> to do mm, what I'm supposed right. to do. Right. So it was like talking to me and saying, so it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to really, um, I have found in, in my journey, cre like creating a healthier relationship with my own body has been very healing for me. So that mm -hmm. when I do have certain things that come up, instead of being angry because my back goes out, stopping and being like, okay, what, what is my body trying to tell me? So, and I don't know how that relates to infertility at all. I don't know how that right. relates, but I think just in the feeling of um, working through a relationship with our bodies, because it feels so bad to be mad at the vessel mm -hmm. we're living in, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I felt like it was my fault that our yeah. son died. And yes. it's one of those things where intellectually, I know that's not right. true, Right. but it's hard to not feel that. And that's how I felt for a really yeah, long absolutely. time. If my body wouldn't have been the one that he was transferred to, he still would be here right now. Those are so um, many heavy feelings. Yeah, it's hard to move through those, yeah. <laughs> those emotions. How did you but... move through those feelings? Because that, that just feels so bad. Yeah. And well, un understandable, I, too, because I, I sure as heck would be feeling that, too, you know? Right. Well, pretty much immediately when I set foot out of the hospital, I was like, I need to see a therapist. Yeah. I need yeah. to talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so I went. I went to therapy for a year after that. Well, basically right up until when my daughter was born, because then she was born and I didn't know when I could find time to go. I would have yeah. loved to keep going. But yeah, it was, it was therapy that really helped Good. me, helped yeah. me through that for sure. Would you say that most people going through this would benefit from therapy? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Anybody could benefit from, I know, <laughs> could benefit from therapy anytime. Just yeah. having that, you know, I would always go and it was extremely difficult and full of emotion and I would just release it all. 
And then I would always do something very kind for myself afterwards, even if yeah. it's just like a Starbucks hot chocolate or something. Um, you know, but yeah, that, I mean, that it's was very cathartic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel and like I'm like, just necessary. Go, oh my goodness. I'm just thinking of everything you went through at the hospital, like leading up to mm-hmm. being pregnant with Jack and then losing him and the whole process of losing him yeah. and the feelings of fe- feeling inadequate in your body as a woman and all of that is so like, and it's so like, I get it. I hear it. Like, how could you not feel that way? You know, but I, right. I can't imagine. Um, I feel like it would be very necessary for anyone to, to definitely seek therapy mm-hmm. because it's not fair. Like you don't have to sit with those feelings forever, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'll never forget the doctor when I was leaving one of the doctors I actually enjoyed saying laughter, sunshine, and exercise. You need all three every single day. And that was like his diagnosis <laughs> Yeah. Um, and said it to my husband. He's like, make sure she gets outside. Thank goodness it was June, you know? Yeah. So he would, I mean, every day he would, and I was, you know, laid up in a bed for eight days. I could barely move when I left the hospital. It's crazy how quickly yeah. your body just atrophies and yeah. to walk a half mile was like, I felt like I was running a marathon. It was oh crazy, gosh. but yeah, I just, I, we would only watch funny shows and I think God for the office and friends (laughs) and things like that um I would just watch like super light-hearted things and try to be out in the sunshine and just sit in the warmth and walk as much as I could and that's kind of what got me through too I know my Mm. friend who just lost her baby after Thanksgiving she walks 10 miles a day now every single day she's like I just need that physical movement to like keep my brain from just going into a spiral. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's so amazing yeah. that you're there for her. It really I'm, is. I'm, thank you. I'm glad I can be there for her because I also can tell her, which I wish I would have had, I can look her in the eye and say, you are going to be okay. Yeah. And you will feel happiness again and you will feel true joy and you will feel like yourself. Your normal is different and it's always going to be because you lost a child and that's part of you now. But you will be okay. Like it's, it's nice to be able to say that to someone and mean it. And so I hope I give her hope and she will get there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's, there's so much power in hearing that from someone Mm -hmm. who's been through it. It's not just someone looking at you who doesn't actually know what you have been through because there, there's like so much trust in that relationship and being Mm -hmm. able to see like, okay, Tina does look like herself from the inside, you know, I guess from the outside too. And, um, truly seems to be joyful and happy. And I know that mm-hmm. if she can get through that and get to that point. I can too, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I told her, I'm like, you're knee deep in hell right now, but the first year is awful. Yeah. I mean, that first year was so terrible for me, but it, it will get better. Um, and it was her first son also. So having children certainly heals a lot too. You know, when my daughter was born, that made a huge difference for me, but yeah. Yeah, hopefully I can give that hope. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. I want to give hope yeah. and comfort to other people in this world to know you can get to the other side. It still feels so surreal to me right now to know our family is complete. And like, I'm on the other side yeah. of this whole crazy infertility IVF world. Because I truly never thought I'd get there. That there'd I didn't be think another it was side. hard for me. Right. Yeah, it And is it just amazing. felt so painful and so far away and so just that unknown of, is this ever even going to happen? How long do we push? How hard do we push? Um, right. So it feels crazy. And here you know. are. I'm here. I know. Oh, we're crazy. Here. Our son is four and a half months old. And, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Unbelievable. It good. <laughs> so around the beanstalk is a nod to Jack, yeah. which I love yeah. that name. Did you yeah. think of that? And you, did you get like the goosebumps? Like so it. I'm going to be honest. One of my, one of my husband's close friends is a chief creative officer at an advertising agency. So I luckily had that in my back pocket and I was like trying to come up with names and I just couldn't think of anything. So I went to him and I explained what I'm doing and why I want to do it. And he was just like beanstalk and he just said it. And I was just like, Oh my God, Oh my God, that's perfect. And we came up with around the beanstalk. So yeah, it's a, it's a nod to Jack. It's a I wanna... brilliant name. I really Thank like you. it. Thanks. Um, yeah, I just really wanted to create a legacy for him. I feel like so many people know who he is now because of it and know his name and it just feels really good. It's, it's, 
it's weird that even when I'm working on it, just, you know, when I get orders for these IVF journals and I'm packaging them, I just feel close to him. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm doing it with him and that feels really good. Yeah. Sorry. I'm emotional too. That's why I'm not no. <laughs> I just think it's, you just amaze me in your strength too. Um, you know, like you said, I don't want people to forget him and I, I don't know because I haven't been through it, but I almost feel like people's response of not wanting to talk about someone's death mm-hmm. almost like the person who experienced the death almost mirrors that and also shuts down and right. fears to talk about them as well. And because of you sharing his story and sharing his name and talking about him because he is just as purposeful in his life as any of us. And then to continue to keep his name alive in such a powerful way is amazing. It's just beautiful that you've done that. Um, Thank you. So he will never be forgotten. He has a legacy, you know? Right, right. It feels good to be able to do that as a mom. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us about these journals. Yeah. So I, I just launched the business on January 27th, 2020, mm-hmm. which was exactly four years after our transfer date with mm-hmm. Jack. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to get everything together. I was like, I don't know when I want to launch this. And then I saw that date and I was like, it has to be that date, you know, yeah. four years later, it's so full circle yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just started up the business with one product. It's called the Beanstalk Finder. It's an IVF journal basically like a pregnancy journal, but it has prompted pages for you to basically track everything, organize everything, journal your thoughts, um, you know, just all the things you don't even think about from documenting your retrieval day and your transfer day to a financial log because finance, finances are extremely yeah. overwhelming yeah. in that process. Um, you know, a whole embryo chart to talk about the embryos you have and the grading of them and all of that kind of stuff. So and I, I made it a three ring binder because everybody's IVF journey is so incredibly different that I really wanted to make sure people could customize it to who they are and what their, what their journey is looking like, basically. So it's a three ring binder. You buy different packs of paper, whether you're just going through IVF. If you also want to document your pregnancy, you can. If you need an egg donor or a sperm donor or a whole donor embryo, or if you're going through surrogacy, there's all different options. Wow. It's just... So you can (laughs) completely customize it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cool. uh, Yeah. So I just, you know, kicked off the business with that one product, but I just really wanted to basically give women tools to navigate the IVF world. And that's a a tool in the form of a product, but I also created a private um, Facebook group called Mm -hmm. the Beanstalk community. So anybody can search that. And I'm being very particular about who I'm letting into that group. It's for yeah, it's for anybody struggling with infertility, um, you know, thinking about going through IVF in the middle of it, having gone through it in the past. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really, it's a very small group at this point. It just launched, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's just such a great uh, community of, of women in there who are just really being supportive and loving and positive. And even when I announced about a week before the actual launch that I was creating this business, it was just mind blowing the number of people that I'm friends with on Facebook who are like, I struggled with this for so yeah. long and I, yeah. had, I had no yeah. idea they went through IVF, yeah. you know? So to be able to have a, a space for all of those people who need some support and community, that's what I'm trying to create. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's definitely a space where people can come in. Um, there are probably questions you have to answer to get in, right? There are. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We all have the questions and that's really just to keep the integrity of the group. And like you said, to be sure that whoever is coming in is, um, you know, again, to keep the integrity of the group and for the group to really be a space for women to connect and and have that support and feel that community Mm -hmm. among all all the women in there who are experiencing a similar thing. Right. Especially because some people are so private about going through IVF. That's another reason I, I want to hold the integrity, like you yes. said, and keep it mm-hmm. private and make sure everybody in there. I always say everything in here is confidential. Nobody shares this outside yes. of this group. So it's been great. Good. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I will um, be sure that we have links um, to what is the website that people could go to for the planner to check that out? 
Yeah, it's just aroundthebeanstalk.com. Easy. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So, but I'll still have the link in the show notes for everyone. And awesome. um, I'll say the link to the Facebook group so that okay. if people feel like that's a group that they could be a part of, then they can um, go through the questions and connect with you there. <laughs> Is there a place that people can connect with you online or through email or anything to be in touch with you if they want to talk with you more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram a ton. So Instagram is easy too. It's just around the beanstalk is my username on Instagram. Great. And then info at around the beanstalk.com is my email address. All very easy. Okay. And so we'll have those in the details also. <laughs> awesome. So that thank people you. can just easily click. So Tina, thank you so much for coming on. You know, the whole time that you were sharing your story, I was just sitting there thinking this feels so unfair. That's okay. just like what mm -hmm. kept running through my mind that what, my question always in everything that we go through in life is why, like why, mm -hmm. why do some people get chosen quote unquote, or just like given the life that they're given and are given these struggles. And I don't mm -hmm. know if we ever figure out why I don't know if there's a reason for everything, but I, I know that in my life I have found that if I make a reason, it helps me process right. Mm -hmm. what's happening and decide how I want to move through what I'm experiencing. And that's right. what I admire in what you've been through is that I don't know why you went through this. And quite frankly, it's, it's just shitty. It just sucks. <laughs> it feels <Not> unfair. <laughs> and there's no part of it. Like, I don't think anybody can say anything to be like, well, but it's okay because it's not at all. It just sucks. Right. And but in it, you are finding a way to make something of it that can help other people. And in that, it doesn't fix what happened or make it okay right. or to make it easy. But hopefully, how you're just moving forward in your own life, you're able to support another person so they can find a little more ease or a little more understanding or healing or whatever it might be. Um, and that's what I think is just so powerful that any of us can do in our lives that we can't mm -hmm. figure out why it happened or how to make it unhappen or right. all of that. All we can do is figure out how to heal and choose right. how we want to move forward in, in it. And the way you've done it is just remarkable. It's, thank it's you. very inspiring. And I, I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing so much of your story. Cause I know someone's going to listen to it and say me too. And it means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about Jack. I love talking about him and yeah. sharing all about him. And I, I always cling to the phase that the best way to heal is to help others. Yes. And that's, that's just what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. I'm, you're doing it. Oh. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I want to look through your journals, even though I don't need one. I'm excited to because isn't it just exciting to see a really beautiful journal that has all the pieces of yes. something that you need, you know? So how yes, amazing. I know. I, I love it. Right. Yeah. All right, Tina, we'll have a good one. And I'm excited for women awesome. to connect with you who um, will need to. And uh, awesome. that they have Thank you, you now. so much for having me. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Tina, thank you again so much for being so open and vulnerable in sharing your journey uh, with your husband and creating your family in your birth and loss of your son, Jack, and how this incredible hardship that you both have been through has led you into a space of uh, being able to support other women going through the same pain that you have been through and continue to heal. Um, again, if you want to get in touch with Tina, you can contact her, uh, on Instagram at around the beanstalk and head over to her website and see all of the amazing things that she has created around the beanstalk. Um, uh, for those of you struggling with infertility, IVF and loss, my heart, uh, truly goes out to you. I just, the pain, um, is something that I just, I don't want anyone to ever have to feel and I don't understand it and I don't know why it happens and I don't know that we ever will. Um, but what I think is just so incredible as human beings is that we can take our pain and our loss and create something amazing out of it in a collective in supporting one another in our healing journeys and just as humans. And um, just time and time again, it shows me how much we can do together as a whole 
uh, and not have to go through alone in isolation and by ourselves. And um, so for that, Tina, I really thank you for opening that space and creating the community and your open heart to uh, support so many people who are going through this, who will unfortunately go through this uh, or anybody who's experiencing it on any way. Um, And for those who have not experienced this, I really appreciate you coming on and being vulnerable because as we discussed, I'm someone who has not been through this and I think it's really important to have that open conversation so we all know how to support one another as women and as humans. Um, And the only way that we can learn to do that is from people like you who are open and willing to share and have those conversations that are hard sometimes. So again, thank you so much. Um, sending all of my love out to you this week and every week. Treat others the way you want to be treated, and I will talk to you soon.